welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition for episode, I don't know, whichever one we just recorded. 154. 154. 154. So what I looked up for this one was they were talking a lot about Shiloh. And, you know, it's like, oh, like Yahweh did in Shiloh. And we all couldn't quite remember what that was. And in that same section, it also talks about the lost tribe of Ephraim. And so I thought they might be related. And it turns out that they were. Okay. So of the the tribes of Israel, right? So of the 12 tribes, uh, 10 of them are today considered the lost tribes of Israel. Okay. And this is uh, one of them, and one of the earlier ones. I think the first one was, um, who was it? Remember that one where like, no, it was Benjamin got really low, but they didn't disappear. They ended up kind of coming back from that. But so when they all came to Canaan and they all cast lots and that's how they all got what land belonged to each of the tribes. So Ephraim was one of the sons of Joseph. Yes. Right. So it was Ephraim and who was the other one? Manasseh. Now I'm blanking on it. Manasseh. Manasseh. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So the the deal with the prophecy that was given to Jacob was that, or maybe it was given to Joseph, I forget which one, but it was that Ephraim, who was the younger of the brothers, would actually be the greater of the two. Mm. Like their tribe would end up being the greater one. And I guess that happened. But then during the time of Isaiah, actually, so about 100 years before where we are right now, during the time of Isaiah, when Jerusalem was captured, which is what happened like in Second Kings and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. When they were captured, then uh, the city of Shiloh was taken and the tribe of Ephraim was never heard from again, basically. Yikes. So that's kind of what they were getting at, is being like, these guys were shitty and Yahweh let them be conquered and destroyed, and so he's going to do the same thing to you now because you've also been shitty. Done that? Okay. Uh, so in the Wikipedia page here, actually... it's too bad. It says... Uh, Let's see. Jeremiah used the example of Shiloh to warn the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem that Yahweh will do to the place where I caused my name to dwell. Because there was a time apparently when Ephraim was synonymous with the whole of like the nation of Israel. Really? Like they were wow. a really big deal and then were... Gosh, not the one I would have guessed. Yeah. Who would you have guessed? Either. Maybe Reuben. I don't know. Reuben, as in I don't the know. sandwich? As in the sandwich, yes. Yeah. Exactly, Emily. Yeah. Why Reuben? I don't know, because he was the firstborn. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Makes sense. I guess that matters. But, but I guess it, if but Joseph, Joseph was like the favorite child, exactly. it was his kid. Joseph is the yeah. boy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he's, that's true. He's the he guy. Is the boy. He's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I did look into the tribe of Ephraim, and there are some people today who still claim to be descendants of them. And specifically, there are some Persian Jews who claim to be descendants of Ephraim. And also uh, the Telugu Jews who are in India also claim wow. to be descendants of Ephraim, hmm. which is interesting. Okay. But then this was the one that was the most fun. And that is that the Mormons also believe that they are descendants of both Ephraim and Manasseh, that they're... Mormons. Yes. So the Church of Latter-day Saints believes that the main groups from the Book of Mormon, which are the Nephites and the Lamanites, I think is what how you say those. Okay. Lamanites? That they were parts of the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. And... 
Furthermore, then the Mormons being originally the Jews who then moved to America fulfills the prophecy that's from Genesis that says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. And by interpreting the wall as the ocean, being that they're so great that they spread across the ocean over to America. And I see. And hence we're we're Mormons and that's okay that for us to make the connection that we're Jews. Right. That we're yeah. That we're descendants of okay. these Jews and Jesus came with them or something. That part I'm not sure about. It doesn't mention that in this particular article. <laughs> but yeah, so there you have it. Um that Sweet. Potentially the Mormons not only were descendants of Ephraim and Manasseh, but also that the magic uh, glasses that he used to decode the tablets were the, uh, what were those called? The stones back from Genesis that they would do like fortune telling with. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember those. Yeah. Fascinating. Some good lore building. I do appreciate that. Wow. Yeah. About the Church of Latter-day Saints. I do appreciate the lore building that they've done. Really enriched the like extended universe. Bible extended universe. (laughs) It's good. I wonder if somebody has written that book. I don't know. What? The Bible Extended Universe? The Bible, the Extended (laughs) Universe. Everyone's like, that's blasphemy. Wow. Well, okay. All right. I looked up some stuff about horses. Yeah. Because there were so many horses in this episode. (laughs) You know, we've had a lot of them recently. We've had a lot of horses. Yeah, Will Arnett's getting a lot of work in our franchise right now. He is. Yeah. I don't know. Jeremiah the Bullfrog is friends with the horses. So let's talk about them. So we were wondering about their vocal selves. You know, their vocal selves, yes. How they express themselves vocally. Uh Exactly, yeah, because, you know, they they can't talk unless they're Will Arnett. They can't Mm -hmm. speak generally. Or if they're Mr. Ed, they could also speak then. Yes, in those rare cases, they could, but probably most of these sources could not, so they do various other things. So I looked on Practical Horseman (laughs) Mag. Dot com. Practical horsemanmag.com. Dot com. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's it's a really specific uh thing that I feel like my mom would like subscribe to in some way. But <laughs> but yeah, this is talking about the various horse sounds that occur. Um and this article talks about the lower keyed sounds you'll likely to hear from your horse up to the more intense sounds. So okay. The first one is sighing. Horses sigh. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of. I've heard that one from a horse for sure. Yeah. So this is to express relief, um, mm. which you might hear when you're grooming or massaging them, which releases tension in your horse's muscles. So All that's right. nice. That sounds yeah. good. You're <sighs> loosening him up and he exhales a deep fluttering breath through his nostrils, maybe more than once, saying that he's... Maybe he's bored when this happens, when uh, when he's in the ring. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but like there are big rings that the horses are kind of like let out on in a big lead. Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, sometimes they sigh when they're in there because they're bored of the ring work. It's too repetitive. Mm. Is this a different sigh? This is a stuttering, like a... (laughs) 
I don't know. Well, I think that's later. This just says okay. some horses also give a size suggestive of boredom when ring okay. work is too repetitive. It's the okay. equine equivalent of ho hum. Okay. You <laughs> might breathe if stuck in line at the supermarket. Mm. So, okay. yeah, I okay, got okay. it. So, like, to the relaxed side, to this mildly bored slash frustrated like, uh, side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Next on the list is groaning. So, we humans groan sometimes, and horses do the same as well. Sometimes it's to signal pain. But we have to, like, have some detective work here to figure out why the groan is happening. What does horse groaning sound like? Mm, I don't know, like... Mm, yeah, Emily, something like that. for those of you listening, Emily has the most horse experience of the three of us. Yeah. Like, I mean, definitely, but not like that much. Surely my mom is very much the one who was around horses. Yeah, but you've been around the horses a fair amount. You've heard some yeah. horses. I've definitely heard some horses, yeah. Um, so this says, if he groans or grunts over fences, but otherwise seems happy, he's probably like the tennis player who habitually gives an oof with every serve. So, <laughs> okay, that's the one okay. they went for. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Good, good. okay, so oof. just kind of a... Uh, oof. Mm, just kind mm, of oof. Mm, mm. Okay. Yeah, but it says if he groans on landing from his fences and also pins his ears or rolls his eyes, something's hurting. Uh, okay, so, so yeah, that's other signs of distress. Got it. Exactly. Okay. It could be his back or his legs or his feet or his hindquarters, things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. nickering. So I think, Dedeker, this is what you were talking about a little bit, but it's like, or no, that's oh, more okay. of a... That's, I thought that was like, a nay. Or, yeah, that's more of a nay. This is like... I don't. Yeah, I, I no, can't do it. Kind of. Isn't it, it kinda, isn't it like kind of like? Uh, yeah, that's good. Like a, that was like good. Like very like okay. like a mumble. It's a horse yeah, mumble. He uses his vocal cords, but keeps his lips closed for the soft sound, <laughs> and it basically is just like recognition <laughs> and welcome. Like, hey, you're here. What's up? Oh. Sup, bro? That tracks. Okay. That tracks in my experience of horses. But okay. sometimes it can be an apprehension, so something to mm. look out for when he feels threatened or cornered. So it's like he's either like sup, bro, or like sup. Bro, uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah that's more. Okay, uh, second to last is blowing or snorting when it, he inhales quickly and then puffs his breath out through his nostrils. Mm. He's like, "Oh, good, we're going out," or he's a little scared. Mm. Seems to so, be a recurring theme with horses: either excited like or scared. Or the other. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, really. Oh yeah, I mean you can you can scare the heck out of them and then that's not a good thing. And then finally, yes, okay, neighing. Neighing is when he's stimulated. It can communicate either anxiety or confidence, depending on the time. Always. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's really Two sides indeed. of the same coin with horses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's pacing because he's turned <sighs> out alone, or he's mm. like calling to the barn for a stable mate, things like that. Yeah, I've definitely seen that happen. Okay, so, so that's when they're like, when the, <laughs> like hey, yeah, come when on, they're like calling out. for someone come else. Hang out with me. Exactly. <laughs> come hang okay. out, neighbor's wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's what they're doing. They're calling for their neighbor's wife, but they're good, uh, good. Or like, come here, human, and feed me right now. Yeah, like something that makes like sense. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That okay. makes sense. Okay. So there you go. Wow. Horses have many different nays and Horse many sounds. different sounds. Indeed. Well, I'm going to teach y'all about gall water oh, and God. also balm water. This is going to be gross. Ugh. Should everyone at home just like stop no, now? No, just no, hit, no. Stop no, on your podcast. Okay. 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 It's okay. I mean, we have the gallbladder, which I think 
technically refers to like bile, but in the Bible, that's not really what it's referring to. Oh, so okay. we're not going into that kind of gross stuff. Okay. Essentially, gall. So it's interesting. On Bible Gateway, I looked up a couple other translations. And in other places in Jeremiah, other translations call it poisoned water specifically. Uh, okay. Ew. Okay. The gall. Yeah. So so not necessarily about it being, I don't know, weird water or however it is we're interpreting it. Hmm. Okay. Um, Most likely it was water that was mixed either with wormwood or with myrrh that would make it bitter. Uh-oh. Oh. Yeah. Now what's interesting is there's possibly a little bit of a call forward to the New Testament here because when Jesus is on the cross, he is offered wine mixed with gall, essentially. Really? Whoa. Yes. And so they're giving him some stuff while he's dying. They're like, oh, you're dying. Here's some stuff. Okay, well, we will get to there. But there is some discussion of like, was this a nice thing or was it a mean thing? Was it a mean thing of uh, you want water? We're going to give you something gross and awful. Or uh, there's also evidence to suggest that specifically myrrh mixed in water would work as a painkiller. Oh. Like, was it actually something that was kind of merciful? Like, mixed with wine to help to kind of dull the pain. Right. So, huh. got it. there's Cheers. that. I'm, I didn't do a deep enough dive to even look and, like, did it even use the same Hebrew word or Greek wow. words or or what, but... Yeah, because I guess yeah. it would have been that's Hebrew and then Greek, so that's at. hard to compare. Yeah. It is hard yeah. to compare. Like, the Hebrew word for wormwood is lana, and okay. it occurs seven times in the Hebrew Bible, always with the implication of bitterness, that that's what that's associated with. Huh. But then, of course, the Greek word, which is absinthos, very similar to absinthe. Oh, yeah. And that word, absinthos, is only mentioned in the book of Revelation just once. Really? So I think when we get there to that part in the New Testament, we'll have to look at what the actual Greek words are for what they gave to Jesus and see how it compares. Interesting. But what about the whole gold, frankincense, and myrrh? It seems like it'd be there too then, right? Or is that a different word they used at that point? Well, that's a different word from myrrh because lana refers to wormwood. Oh, I see. This is just wormwood, not myrrh. Okay, got it. Not myrrh, yes. Okay. Now, speaking of ancient tinctures, Uh we're also going to talk about Balm of Gilead. Yeah. Which what is oh, yeah. this? What's we're that all about? like, why do we know that phrase? But yeah. we can't point to why we know that phrase. It does so, feel familiar even to me. So yeah, I think that's saying yeah. something. Yeah. So to talk about what the Balm of Gilead actually is, is that it was a perfume that was used medicinally. Okay. And named for the region where the plant came from, which was Gilead. So huh. it's usually suggested that it's the balsam tree or bush. Sometimes there's there's some debate over exactly what it was made out of, but balsam is, I think, kind of the main one that people talk about as being used as the base of this particular like healing balm. Okay. Uh, supposedly, the Queen of Sheba brought some as part of her presence to, oh, to Solomon. Solomon. Yeah, because yeah, it was considered to be rare. It was a rare okay. thing, and so right. it was very very valuable. So that's there's there's more trivia about. Balm of Gilead and how it shows up in a bunch of different traditions. It shows up in the Arab tradition as well. Um, However, to talk about cultural references, there's a couple that are probably the reasons why we know it. So first of all, there is a traditional African-American spiritual called There is a Balm in Gilead. And this phrase, the Balm of Gilead, especially as we're reading it in this verse in Jeremiah, it's interpreted basically as like a medicine, as a spiritual medicine okay. that's able mm-hmm. to heal Israel or heal sinners. So that's what we're, that's what the reference is. That's what Jeremiah is saying is, is there nothing that can heal 
all these sinners, Got it. all these mm. bad people. Yeah. Yes. Dude, is there nothing? Is there nothing? So there's the song. However, I'm going to put my money on the reason why we probably know this is from The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh. oh really? Yeah. So I'm going to read this stanza. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Whoa. Well, any kind of raven. Any kind of raven. Wow. It all comes full circle. <laughs> That's comes wow. I need there my conspiracy theorist bulletin board to yeah. make all these connections. Seriously. It's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So I think it shows up in a couple of other songs as well, but I think probably the raven is why it's yeah. gotten kind of encoded in the background of your brain. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Good old wow. Edgar Allan Poe knew his Bible. That he did. Or at least knew how to reference it. Knew how to pull some quotes from yeah. it. I do wonder if people back then read the Bible actually, unlike people of today who just say that they've read the Bible but actually haven't read the whole thing. You mean thing. during Poe's time? Sure. Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting question. Yeah, like they has, has actual time. Bible readership increased or decreased over mm. the years? That's that is a, a good question. Th- I, wonder, is, I don't even know mm. how you would start to research that. Yeah, that's a tough yeah. one. I don't know. Did. Yeah, you would have had to have done some kind of research back then. Yeah. I'm sure. I guess yeah. it, I'm sure we can find <laughs> somebody's doctorate dissertation You're right. on yeah. the relationship to the Bible. If you, listener, have written that dissertation, we would love to read it. <laughs> Please send it our way. Info it, yes. at drunkbiblestudy.com. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. And we will see you next week for more doom and destruction, probably, in Jeremiah. Most likely. See you then.